I'm Richard Lannan, rides with Canon, and this is the Glazing Insider Industry Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Nozzle. The Nozzle team captures photos, videos and drone footage from locations across the UK to create content for your social media and case studies for your website. To find out more about Nozzle's pay-as-you-go and monthly packages, visit nozzle.media. Welcome to the podcast dedicated to the people of the glazing industry. In this episode, I talk with Greg Johnson from Warwick Development. In this conversation, Greg talks us through his fenestration journey all the way from how it started to the position he's in today. So, without further ado... Let's get started. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for making the journey up to Liverpool. Oh, no problem at all. How did you get into the fenestration world? So my journey started in 2007 and I had just finished A-levels. Got to that stage, Richard, I think, where I was starting to get a little bit fed up with education, if I'm being completely honest. Albeit I was I was academic at school, I had good grades, you know, I was... Um, I was good grades at A-level standard as well. And, and I suppose the natural thing for me would have been to go into university and, and continue education. But I think I sort of stumbled over the line a little bit, if you like, in the last couple of months. Um, really sort of got to that stage where I was getting a little bit irritable with with education. And it's quite a, a passion of mine, actually. Maybe after the fenestration industry, I'll, I'll go into something maybe along the lines of politics or something maybe because... Um, I just feel that there's not that much sort of in the education system for people when they're coming towards the end. Um, and I see it all the time in here, to be fair, when we get CVs through and, you know, we're, we're advertising for jobs and things. And you, you see people have been to university for three, four, five years and they do a degree and it's not necessarily then utilised at the end. They'll they'll apply for a job that doesn't necessarily need a degree. And and I just felt, or oh, the thought of another three or four or five years worth of education for me just didn't really appeal. So I suppose like most people in our industry, you either sort of fall into it. And I've heard it on your podcast plenty of times, you know, I fell into the industry or or um, family sort of drag you into the industry. And it was it was the latter for me. Um, yeah, I had a, a an uncle called uh, Gavin who, who founded Warwick in 1998. And my father, Brian, he was an accountant at the time. Um, he worked for the NHS and Gavin sort of roped him into the business. After a couple of years, the business was doing really well. And, and my dad came in um, as an accountant, I think, at, at the time, but quickly found his feet in the industry. And um, he, he was pretty much operations sort of manager for Gavin for a, for a long time. And he ran the business. And yeah, I joined in 2007. It was just before my father, actually, he... He bought Gavin out with some private investors in 2008. Quite funny, to be fair, if he was here now, he'd tell you that he bought him, um, he bought his shares out um, five minutes before the world fell into a financial crash and recession. And uh, um, timing-wise, sorry for him, it was it wasn't ideal. You know, it was um, as I say, five minutes before the world um, oh, yeah, fell 2008, into 2008. Yeah, yeah um, difficult time. And he, for the first time, the business had uh, debt, you know, um, interest to pay back to the banks and things. And it was, uh, oh, what, what have we done? You know, me and time and wise. Um, but all all credit to him and, and to my dad. And it's only as you get a little bit older, you're able to sort of reflect and have the respect for actually what a great businessman he was. Um, I had um, real admiration for my uncle growing up, to be fair, um, because, you know, that entrepreneur um, sort of, 
mindset that he had and to start a business and to do really well and um you know he retired in his in his early 30s oh, wow. and then and then the, and to see to see my dad actually take over the business in 2008 and and go through hard times in the sort of the economy and the, and the way the market was and to come out of it at the time he, he took over we were one unit and i know we've just had a little tour of the factory before but we're now in four units and we've grown year on year out and, and i've seen him do it in a, in a really good way so so yeah, I started in 2007. It was just at the end of the sort of my uncle Gavin's era, if you like, and my, and my dad starting to to, to take um, shape with his own sort of um, imprint on the business. And I think because I'd got to that stage where I was fed up with with education, I think I thought that joining the family business was probably going to be the easy touch or the easy route. <laughs> and if I'm honest, I probably did think that, but. Knowing my family, I probably shouldn't have even contemplated that, to be fair, because um, my family are, are real generous, genuine people, uh, uncle, granddad, father, all very, very good people. Um, but they don't give you an easy touch, do you know what I mean? You, I was always going to have to work for it, and, and rightly so. You know, I was treated as a brand-new starter, no preferential treatment whatsoever. It was a case of, okay... If you come into work and you don't want to go to university, then you come in and you'll learn the business from scratch. And I'm really thankful for that, to be fair now, looking back on it, because it really rounded me as a as a, as a person. And um, when I took over my dad's role, um, only 2022, I wouldn't have been able to, to take over that role if I hadn't have been taught the sort of foundations early on. So I came in as office junior, and I was probably making terrible cups of teas and coffees for people for about six months, doing some admin work and some clerical work and just getting a feel for the office. But one thing I noticed was that I was so much younger than the sort of the demographic age-wise within within the business. Um, and that in, in itself was a little bit sort of off-putting. You know, I didn't have any sort of like colleagues of similar sort of interests or, or things at the time. But after, after a, a small stint in the sort of the office, I went and I asked if I could learn about windows and doors from the factory perspective. So onto the shop floor, it was actually started on the bead. Yeah, beading windows and doors, um, cutting the bead and putting the bead in the windows and doors. And um, and then from there, it was into the, the welding room. So we uh, had a, a couple of months of, of welding and learning about the source center system and things like that. And that, that was a real eye-opener, really. I started to get a bit of a feel, okay, this is how windows and doors are put together. And, and from there, then I, I went on to the, the fabricating. Now, I am by no means hands-on at all. Don't get me wrong. If my wife was here now, she'd say, there's no way you made windows and doors because <laughs> I can't put um, flat-pack furniture together very well, let's put it that way. So, um, But it was, again, it was just the, the sort of being in the environment and watching and learning mm. and, okay, having a go yourself and, and, and developing your sort of your skill set and um, understanding how windows and doors are actually fabricated. The one part of the business that I've never actually worked in, to be perfectly honest with you, is our in-house glass shop. So um, we're quite fortunate right. as a business to have um, our own in-house glass shop. Um, we manufacture our own double-glazed units and triple-glazed units nowadays as well. And it, it's one area of the business I've never worked in. And I think that's probably because 
I think if my dad was to go home of an evening and tell my mum that I was working with glass and handling glass, she'd have shouted at Darren probably. <laughs> so yeah, so I never got a chance to, to work in the glass. And I'm probably thankfully I didn't, to be fair, because even now when I go down and, you know, you see them handling single pieces of glass and double glazed units, it's still wincing goes through you a little bit, doesn't it? But the, the thought of um, handling glass, but um, but yeah, okay. That was the that was the one area I didn't didn't learn on the shop floor, to be fair. But I came back into the office environment and we had an opening in our sales team. So I, I came in now then as a, as an estimator. Really enjoyed it. Really got to grips with it quite quite quickly. To be fair, our um, our software that we use for pricing windows and doors. You know, I was quite um, IT literate. I could get on board with the IT side and price the windows and doors. The problem I, I struggled with, I think, when I first started was just the, the thought of answering the telephone and things. Weirdly, I remember always having a bit of an anxious sort of moment about speaking to customers on the telephone and things like that. And maybe just young and naive and maybe tech nowadays where, you know, we're always texting and messaging. Um, yeah, the telephone petrified me, to be fair. And I remember that was the first real sort of out of my comfort zone thing that I had to learn was was speaking to customers on the phone and dealing on the trade counter face to face with customers and you you feel like okay window installers and tradesmen have been doing this job so what is a young 18 19 year old you know going to be able to to tell them about windows and doors and stuff like that so maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome a little bit when i was younger and a little bit of um, naivety but i quickly sort of overcome that and um and you gain your confidence like anything don't you when you when you do it more and more so really enjoyed the, the customer side by the time i'd left the, the sales team as an estimator i went to our production office which is located um on our shop floor but in a, in a, in a different building in a different office building and the environment in the in the production office is quite a unique one to be perfectly honest with you it's um it's an office that's based on, or the emphasis is on accuracy and attention to detail. Um, and obviously there's no customer interaction in there. So I'd done 18 months in the production office and I actually learned so much from a technical side. It was more about manufacturing limitations and what you can and can't make. And my dad obviously was in charge at the time. He is, um, he was very sort of focused on making sure the sales team had collected all the correct information on the trade order forms and we'd be very sort of picky about making sure that customers were putting fire escape windows down fire escape hinges on bedroom windows and making sure tough and glass was in the right places and things like that and, and the attention to detail all the way through the business is still evident to this day and that that stemmed from him and really putting the onus on us making sure that attention to detail was a big thing for us so in the production office we have like a, a double check system whereby we have one employee who's an inputter. He'll he'll input the the order into our into our software, and then we have a checker who inputs the exact same order and all the details: your, your color of your handles, your frame, your your glass spec, and um, your dimensions, and so on. So the checker will then input the same details the inputter has done, and the computer quite cleverly then will tell them or flag up if there's any discrepancies or differences. So that basically allows us to eliminate any sort of human error wow, um, before obviously we we batch and send to the shop floor and as I say all the way through the business it's it's an emphasis on making sure that we manufacture it once and we deliver a, a product to the customer at the end of the day that's exactly what they've asked for you know what I mean and don't get me wrong yeah, the odd one happens where it slips the net don't get me wrong but uh, but yeah 
that was a real sort of baptism of fire for me, I think, in the production office because I'd learned a little bit about windows and doors on the shop floor. I'd had the customer interaction side upstairs and then downstairs was a little bit more intense. But again, an enjoyable sort of experience, one where I learned an awful lot, as I say, from a technical side. And then from there, it was back upstairs to the to the sales again. I think it was around 2011 at this stage. Um, Yorosel had just launched a, a new bifold and door system, and it was a bit of a game changer, I, I think, in, at the time. It was a bespoke bifold and door system. It was called Aspect, and um, we still manufacture it to this day, to be perfectly honest with you, um, albeit aluminium bifolds now are a lot more popular. PVC bifold system took away that old conventional bifold and door where you had big, heavy tracks and Yorosel's design was was a bespoke one where everything was integrated and the sashes were nice and flush and all the track was was hidden and and we done really well with it to be fair and it was sort of the start this was my sort of finding of my feet in the industry if you like because I was in charge of two new niche products that we just started manufacturing in 2011 and, and in charge of that from a sales perspective. So we had the Aspect Bifold and we also coupled that with a Yorosil Charisma vertical slide and sash window. So right. so two new two new products, but two niche products at the same time that we had not manufactured before. And predominantly we, we sold to trade and I wanted to sell the, the two niche products obviously to trade as well. But my idea was also to sell to other sort of fabricators who maybe didn't have the time or the infrastructure to want to manufacture the niche products. So we found a lot of call for other fabricators who we, we still manufacture niche products to to this day for that, that we would buy and then we'd be able to tap into their sort of trade network and their new build network and stuff like that for the, for the bifold. So, so yeah, so 2011 really sort of opened my eyes a little bit to the industry because I was dealing with not just your white van man on the counter anymore. It was dealing with other window companies and speaking to other sort of, um, yeah, installers as well as um, as fabricators. So you start then to open your eyes and think, actually, this is quite a big industry that we're in. You know what I mean? It's not just us in Bootle making windows and doors. There's plenty else out there as well. And, um, and so, yeah, so the two niche products sold really well, 2011. And... I think I got to around about 2017, I'd say. Yeah, it was probably coming up to maybe 10 years within the business. I was just starting to get a little bit of itchy feet. Didn't know whether, okay, I've enjoyed it. Um, but I'm gonna, 10 years has flown over so quickly. I didn't know whether it was a case of, you know, I was at a bit of a pivotal po- moment in life. I think it was a case of, okay, well, probably going to get married and stuff in the next year or two and you know where's my career sort of going you know when dad's got plenty of years left and he's you know not in any position to be retiring soon or anything like that and you know did I want to sort of kick on and progress I'd done pretty much everything I thought I could do within the business at the time um and yeah I was umming and ahhing for a little bit about whether I have a little change in career sort of aspect or whatever but I sort of realized that the longer you're in the industry, the harder it is to get out of the industry. Um, And I'm sure plenty find that themselves. But then I posed the question to myself, well, do I want to go out to the industry because I actually like it? You know what I mean? Sort of, and weirdly, albeit a stressful industry, it's it's one that is enjoyable. um, And you can really find moments where you think to yourself, you know, that was great, that. Um, 
but for me it was it was more around the, the family sort of um element i just didn't think i'd be able to replicate that family environment well i wouldn't i wouldn't would i if i went somewhere else it, it just i loved having at the time i had obviously my uncle had, had not long left the business but i had my, my father my my auntie worked here i shared an office with my grandfather at one point huh. um my sister was due to join and we have a real good group of people as well outside of the family the business is a place where we have husbands and wives working here you know we've got um sons and daughters that work here from from other employees and you know in the business and stuff like that and it's a real sort of family element to to warwick and it just felt okay i can move on and try something new but am i am i going to miss that sort of family side to it you know what i mean yeah. that family feel so yeah so i decided okay no i'm going to stay and sort of 2018 i think it was we um we decided my wife and i at the time okay we're engaged now for a year or so let's let's get married and you know have a real sort of focus then on you know maybe starting a family and, and you know stay at work and um and yeah so it was it was it was a real pivotal moment i think 2017 2018 but one obviously now looking back on that i'm thankful i made the the, the right decision because i'm really pleased obviously to, to still be here and um i took over my my father's role as managing director only um 2022 so um not long i've had a 18 month period now as as md and and whilst i'm very grateful to have um took over a well-established business you know what i mean I, I knew straight away that the business wasn't broken in any which way we were doing really well and very profitable and stuff so i wasn't here to reinvent the wheel it was more a case of okay well, let's see just see if i can add my sort of steer the ship but add a little bit of my sort of um flavor to to the business and and raise the profile of the business a little bit more and things like that um so yeah so that's where we are that's where we're up to t today it was uh, a story which i'm i'm sure you've you've heard already with, with, with people who, who come into the industry and and you know family bring them in and um and they end up staying a long time and and as i said before it is it's definitely an industry that is difficult to sort of break out of it's sort of get you and when it's got you it's not letting you go <laughs> no, definitely definitely that that is a journey and g going back to there's some similarities that i spotted so 2007 was actually the time where i went to my dad full time so i yeah. tried a couple of other things in 2007 and i also when you said about feeling a lot younger than the rest of the team I remember being jealous of a friend of mine who used to work at Halfords because everyone around him, they were like, they were talking, they could yeah. go out, they could do all this kind of thing. We had none of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you were in that same boat. So it was like, but you sort of, you feel like they're in the right place. And, uh, you know, I was around family and I know exactly what you were going through. You know, is that I, literally loads of the thoughts must have been the same. And you yep. sort of pivotal points and you sort of think, and you didn't leave and start a podcast. So you, <laughs> you made a choice. One of the thing, questions that did come up was sort of, over the years of sort of working with family, was it all, was it okay? Because that's the question that I always got asked. Did you always get on? And I said, yeah, I, I don't remember any major problems, but did you, did you? Yeah, no, really good question. And and to be fair, it wasn't always rosy times, albeit, you know, the reason I didn't leave was because I wanted to be around the family. But that wasn't to say that throughout the years, there wasn't, you know, any sort of um, difficult moments that we had to get through. I think... I lived, I still lived at home at the time. And I think you, yeah. you naturally sort of, you take work home with you, don't 100%. you? Especially when it's a family business and stuff. And, you know, if 
the stresses and strains of the day have happened and you know you're going home then with, with, with your dad and you may have done something wrong or you might have upset him somewhere down the line or you might have a difference of opinion somewhere down the line and they're always testing moments aren't they when you know you're on top of one another 40 hours a week in, in a work environment and then obviously living and, and breathing work outside of, of the environment as well, outside of the factory. Yeah, it's always challenging. But I think when I moved, I moved into my own place and, you know, I got married and as I, I think looking back on it now, it's, it's, that, it's, it's maturity. I think, as I yeah. say, as, as you get older, you, you, you see things a little bit differently. And when you're young and ambitious and, you know, you you're not necessarily, you should really sort of learn from the ones that have been there and, and, and done it. And, um, and definitely, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful this day that I did stay and I, I did sort of, um, soak up as much of my dad's knowledge as, as I could, but yeah, definitely testing times throughout the, throughout the journey. Definitely working with family isn't easy. I know that that's the saying, never work with friends or family. And, whilst I would say it was difficult, I would, I'd go against that sort of um, trend of thought and say, no, working family is great. You've just got to get the right balance. I think between yeah. work and, and home life. And if you can do that, then you, you're onto, onto the winning form there. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And then, uh, well, speaking of balance and, and family, uh, you've got two children. I do. Yeah. It was, um, it was really difficult sort of, um, stage to be perfectly honest with you. Um, Richard, so have, two little girls and um my eldest is two and a half and my youngest just come up to one so the age gap is uh only 18 month period um and it, it it came at a time when i was just sort of taking over the the role from my dad and having two young ones mm. and and the, the the sleep deprivation that comes oh. with it and stuff like that but i knew straight away when i was to become a dad that i was going to be full on i wanted to be real hands-on sort of parents and i have been i have been from day one to be perfectly honest with you I, I, I love being a dad and i think what's important for me is that i get that sort of right balance between work and, and home life and you know but there'd be plenty of nights here where the factory would be open well past its opening hours and um and we, and we still do that to this day if you know if the occasion arises where we have to fulfill an order or you know something's happened sort of an anomaly out of the day i don't know say the saw's gone down or something like that and and we have to make up then of course we'll always stay but i just wanted the sort of emphasis to be okay come 5 30 the shutters go down we go home to our families we spend time with the kids you know i only get a little window of maybe an hour an hour and a half by the time i get home but so to do the bedtime routines with the girls and stuff's really important to me you know to to be able to do the bath and the stories and put them to bed and you know if i'm here for an extra hour in work of an evening and stuff then you miss that night don't you yeah, you, do. you know if, if one then becomes two and two becomes three and all of a sudden you know um so it's really important to me as a, as a, as a father yeah to to spend time at home and to get that work life balance i think in our industry we we work mad a lot of us aren't we we're, we you know it consumes us to to some degree and rightly so you know there's a lot of livelihoods and a lot of sort of people's businesses um and i understand that i get it completely and as i say we're, we're not work shy at all to the point where we we will do everything we can um but yeah there has to be a point where you 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 think okay let's go home Let's enjoy our evening and, and, you know, work will be here in the morning. Sometimes I have to sort of just remind myself because of how stressful it is at times. That it's just a 
square PVC window going in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we can complicate it and we can make it stressful and we can let it impact on our sort of social and, and family life sometimes as well. So it's important to get that that right balance, like you say. Most of it as well is, um, I think most of the industry, it's the unknown that most of the industry is understanding and consumers can be understanding. But yep. of course, the, you're working with companies that have schedules and if it's booked in yep. and it's, it's got to work and, and that's yeah, where the course. stress yeah. starts. Communication, again, is, is another big one, isn't it? If you know, if you're communicating, you know, with your, with your customers and, you know, one of our USPs, I believe, here at Warwick is our, is our customer service. And, you know, we'll we'll always try and deliver for customers. And, and, you know, sometimes you have to just hold your hands up and you have to say, okay, look, something's happened. And, you know, communication and, and explanation and, and being able to, to put right, I think sometimes is the biggest things. You know, if you've made a mistake, you know, how do you put it right rather than mm-hmm. um, just trying to hide away from the actual mistake itself. It's, it plays a big part in your customer service sometimes, I think. Yeah. Also, going back to you sort of over the years, I mean, the experience that you've got and changing jobs and sort of building up to the MD role, I mean, it, it's it's not an easy job, MD. And I think a lot of people, they look at it as like the top, don't they? And it, it, it's and it's it's not for everyone. Yeah, it's it, you, you must be very organised. And I see every company is different, but I sort of... Managing director for me isn't a role that I know I could do 100% well. So, and especially at scale like you are. So, sort of to come in at that point, um, it's sort of meant to be. Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier. I think if, you know, if my mum and my dad and, and I had to come in and maybe my mum had um, lobbied them to give me an easy ride or whatever at the beginning uh, and I'd have been given that soft touch, then I would not be able to do this role now you know what i mean i had to learn the way i learned as far as i'm con- concerned I, I generally believe the um the foundations i was given and the way i was treated at the beginning as as a normal employee and, and, and the opportunities okay i had the opportunities there but had to fulfill those opportunities you know if i had to come in and and, and not worked hard then i wouldn't be where i am now neither as well so but you're right it, it, it comes with a lot of responsibility i think that the first thing that i really felt was it was a big step up for starters, yeah, a real big step up. But um, it's the responsibility for you, for your staff and your employees. I mean, close to 120 employees now, and sometimes you think, okay, you know, we have to make the business succeed because we we've got 120 families there who who are relying on you know your your decision at the end of the day, and my family as well. You know, what I mean, I want to want to do well and provide for for my children and and likewise I would do for anybody else's family and I think yeah I think the responsibility is the the big one the big pressure that you that you get and and also from a personal perspective I'd I'd had two I'd had my uncle I'd had my dad both very very successful and and yeah. and the pressure that brought in itself you know okay can I match or go better or you know can I get can I live up to the expectation you know I've had two brilliant businessmen here who of one started and founded the business and another one grown it in in harder sort of economic times and then okay you're in charge now so are you able to sort of carry that on are you able to kick on you know are you able to sort of improve the business and um and yes yeah, so so that in itself is 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 a, is a pressure you know and then y- you find yourself getting involved with, with stuff that you may not get involved in on a day-to-day basis before you know even little things your hr all of a sudden and your marketing and 
Um, these are these are areas that I've had to sort of learn on the job as well. Do you know what I mean? We're going back to before when I was saying about um, 2011 and um, having that sort of two new niche products to manage. Um, I was also working closely at the time with our accounts department. So we have a in-house uh, accounts team, obviously, and um, the financial side was a real sort of learning curve for me as well. That was another sort of string to the bow that I'm really thankful for now that I've done a big period of time liaison with our accountant who's very, very good and he's such a nice guy. He's really patient and he <laughs> teaches you really well, do you know what I mean? So uh, I'm really thankful for that because, you know, learning about profit and loss and balance sheets and um, budgets and things like that, you know, really stood me in good stead for now because without that side of things, I mean, that's something that you really need to know a little bit about, you know what I mean? When yeah. you're, when you're at MD level as well, because you know, you don't want to just be leaving it naively to an accounts department. You want to be keeping your, your, your hands in on that side of things and making sure the business is, is operating well and, and profitable and stuff. So, so yeah, so yeah, it's, um, it's been a, it's been a tough sort of period for me as I'm um, coming in as MD, but it's uh, one that I'm relishing and really looking forward to the future with as well. Well, you're doing something right, especially from the sense that, I mean, the, the reputation of the company has, you know, kept it going. And, and like you say, that you've got that pressure there, but you've also got, you know, customers that are sort of worried about the next generation. So you've come in to fill that gap and, you know, that ah, okay, yeah. that's all right. Greg's here now. And, you know, you're in your thirties, yeah. you know, you see things differently. You sort of, well, we're similar age. So we sort of look at an industry that's been around for a long time and you're coming in with fresh ideas as well. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, um, I think the industry, I mean, even even from Warwick's perspective now, if you look at the sort of the age demographic over the years, we've it's come right down. You know, um, I'm really keen from our sales perspective um, to, to get sort of new sort of postgrads in and, and, and really sort of develop them. And, and we have some real good success stories of, of young lads that have come in and done really well. We've got, employees that have been with us for 20 plus years as well who you've who have been on the journey with our operations manager for instance phil he's um got a similar story to me to be fair he's been here 24 years started before me he's older than me but uh he starts on the shop floor he does all the operations day-to-day stuff with me now Um when i took over as md we had a, a new sort of management restructure we had a few sort of retirees and we use the opportunity to have a bit of a restructure management wise. Um, I have a lot of experience within the team, but we've all got a longevity in, f- in front of us as well. I think, you know, we've, we've got um, plenty of years ahead and, and that's why it's quite exciting from our perspective as a business. I think, you know, you can see over the past 12 months or 18 months, how the management team have really come on as well. And um, as I say, some really good success stories of people who have come in from say like a post-grad level and, and work their way up through the business and they're in, are in good management roles now and really intelligent people, as I say, but people as well. We've got the right sort of mixture of, of youth and, and experience and yeah, complements yeah. itself quite well. Yeah, it is, it is a balance and, and not everyone gets it right and, and you end up going through, uh, uh, well, a bit of turnover, but you, you get there, most companies do. Yeah, staff turnover is, is is a difficult one. Yeah, and and one thing that actually we done the exercise on only um, last week, someone had nominated us kindly for for an, an award, and um, and they wanted to know about um, staff turnover rates and stuff. So we actually done the exercise. Our HR department done the exercise for us, and uh, 
and we're, we're quite pleased to see that in it's getting it's getting better we were actually last year we were in our we we're in the 90 percent sort of um, retention rate which wow. is for our industry and, and for our sort of um for, for manufacturing in general i think is actually very very good but it just goes to show that you know we we do invest in our people and we we do care um as i say being a family sort of run business um has that real sort of personal touch still our staff and um and and you know there are sort of be all and end all if you like you know without them without the quality that that we've got and the experience that we've got wouldn't be where we are today so um so yeah so investing in staff's um something that's really important to us but what we found over the last couple of years is the skill shortage is just getting bigger and bigger and um mm. i've tried to address that um since coming in as md we we've We've joined two um, work organization initiatives. There's one called Nobody Left Behind and another one called Inside Connections. And what they basically do is they're both Liverpool-based. Um, but they they put on sort of um, like Inside Connections, for example, they they aim at um, placing people like ex-care leavers and um, ex-offenders from from prison into back into the workplace environment and stuff. Nobody left behind, concentrate a little bit more on sort of the, the apprenticeship sort of um, schemes and roles and stuff like that. So the, the two complement each other quite well because we're trying to, from our social value aspect, we're trying to give back to the community as best we can yeah. whilst trying to tackle the, the skill shortage too. And um, we have a real great success story from 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 one lad. To be fair, he actually came in as our industrial factory cleaner, and we knew from day one this something about this this kid. He's 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 really keen and enthusiastic and a nice lad. And you know, you'd walk down the shop floor and it'd be, "Hi, Greg, you okay?" And I just really get a, a, a good feel from him. And he's been with us now. Um, a couple of years and he actually has trained his, his way up to uh, fabricating aluminium um, so we, we, we put him on the bench manufacturing um, PVC at first done really well his, his numbers were really good his quality was really good he was in work all the time he was never off and we thought oh my god he's what a perfect employee this this lad is and then we, we trained him up into into fabricating aluminium and yeah real success story when you see things like that it makes you sort of proud to go down these routes of the workplace initiatives and and the organizations um only because you, you can really find little nuggets of gold you know what i mean and uh, if we can help people learn a, a skill and then develop them into having a, a career path too you invest that time in them then you hopefully you, you've got them for a long period of time as well so so yeah so we we, we do our bit trying to sort of give back to the community as i say with the um with the workplace initiatives but um we also do plenty of other stuff as well which um which we're really proud of as well in regards to um doing some charity work we've just celebrated our 25th year and this year so founded in 98 so it was march this year we we celebrated 25 years and i just wanted to use that as a bit of a platform really to give back to to the community and to the the city region that have been really good to us because Predominantly, all our trade customer base stems from from the Liverpool region, and we do delve further afield nowadays. But originally, that was that was our bread and butter, the white van man from the Liverpool region, and um, and to, to this day, we still have customers from day one. So it tells you that we're, we're obviously doing something right. But doing some more of the local charity stuff and the community stuff is just our way of giving giving back a little bit and. Yeah, really proud to be doing it. To be perfectly honest with you, really, um, really pleased to to make a difference where we can and be that sort of responsible employer. But you know, we're a decent sized business now in the, in the city region, and we have to play our part in in helping um, 
unemployment rates and helping people in, in, in needs in general, you know what I mean? So um, so that's just where sort of my personal sort of morals and, and ethics stem from. And if I can emulate the, the business to, to run alongside that, then we'll be able to utilize our platform to do good as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you started in 98. Was it UPVC manufacturing from the start? Yeah, I mean, yeah, UPVC from the start. Yeah, we only we only sort of delved into aluminium in the last couple of years. I think it was 2018 we started manufacturing aluminium by folding doors, but now we we have our own um, aluminium unit and we we manufacture um, sheer lines, lantern roofs alongside their casement window, the Prestige range. We manufacture cortizos, um, patio doors, and by folding doors. So we 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 have a, a good sort of product range on the aluminium now, and I, and I know. A lot of fabricators have delved into into aluminium. Um, but as I say, because we've been sort of fabricating this since 2018, it's given us a great pra- platform, really, because we had the infrastructure already in place with regards to its own production sort of setup. And um, we have some really good, experienced aluminium fabricators that work with us with, you know, 20, 30 years' worth of aluminium fabrication behind the belt and stuff. So it allows us to to manufacture aluminium now. Um, on a larger scale and, and as I say vary the sort of product range as well but predominantly yeah we, we're a UPVC business still are started that way majority of our, our sales obviously and vast majority are, are in PVC and that, that's what that's what we do but we, we manufacture Euracell and we manufacture all of Euracell's range to be honest um, as I said before we do the um, vertical slide and sash window we also manufacture their modus range as well so we have SPD modus range as well that we manufacture, so which is great because Euracell are doing brilliant things with regards to the sort of the future home standards and um, and the modus range um, complements the sort of drive to net zero with being a seven chamber system. It's got sort of three finishes to it, have a, a flush aesthetic as well as a, a slim rebate, which mirrors sort of an aluminium aesthetic as well as your standard casement window. Um, so yeah, three finishes, but um the fact that it that we have spd on it and the fact that um it's a seven chamber system it's great for us from like a new build perspective because yeah. we're able to sort of get down to low u values of like 0.7 and yeah it actually meets the future home standards of 2025 today so we're able to fabricate that standard of window through the orisol mode system so so that's another sort of product that we we have as i say we manufacture the, the standard logic casement window as alongside the, the aspect bifold and the vs as well as the modus system so yeah so we have a, a real sort of big complement that we that we go through we've been with yourself i think since 2000 and they've, they've been a great supplier for us we're, we're, as a company and as people we're quite loyal and um and we've been with yourself on the journey and they have a a motto that grow with us now is, is the it used to be all together uh, better and and both mottos are, are correct with your to be perfectly honest with you as we've grown as a business we've able to help them grow and as they've grown they've helped us grow and and yeah they're 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 a great bunch of people at your and, and and they're a great supplier for us and, and predominantly being core sort of business being pvc you've got to get that right sort of supply chain having here and, and luckily for us you know hardware suppliers glass suppliers pvc suppliers yeah we have a good a good relationship and a good loyal relationship with them it takes a lot for us to sort of to move over you know what i mean yeah. sort of thing um so um so yeah so pvc predominantly but um as i say hopefully now we have a 
good relationship with, with Chilan and we're able to to kick on with the likes of Cortizo and stuff like that and, and help the business grow through aluminium too. Yeah, sounds good. And with sort of all that in mind as well, where do you see the industry? I mean, we've been promised troubled times and things like that, and I think some people are, but it seems okay for you so far. Yeah, I think we've just finished that sort of first quarter and we're sort of similar levels to where we were last year which i was really pleased with to be perfectly honest with you because i know this year has been a, a a more testing year um and the market has has taken a dip for for most <sighs> there's still a lot of potential obviously isn't there in the industry it's just um it's just a case i think of, of just riding out this year or maybe maybe a part of next year as well um but look like i said before with my dad you know through 2008 and the we all come out of that, you know what I mean, sort of um, well. And yeah, as I say, there's 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 a lot of potential. I was listening to, I think it was the MD of Tukernik saying the other day um, on a video actually, um, and he was he was absolutely correct. If you compare, albeit levels have do- dropped a little bit, if you compare it to pre-pandemic, yeah. then it's still very high, you know what I mean? So um, we've not fell off a cliff by any means. It's just a case of, okay, the world is in the position it's in at this moment in time and and hopefully we we ride the storm and, and we come out of it again but you know certainly not doom and gloom i don't think at this moment in time you know we're still trading relatively well and uh and yeah i still i still think that there's potential as a business and from warwick's perspective to to really kick on and grow over the next couple of years which some companies don't always utilize shall we say there's opportunities there and and i think some of the companies have, have been doing what they they do for so long now. They they don't know how to change. They don't know how to yep. adapt. And you know they're, they're big boats to shift sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we spoke didn't we just off um, camera before about um, marketing, and you know it's my sort of philosophy, if you like that, when the market takes a little bit of a dip to actually increase your marketing rather than I know some people's idea is actually well, let's save on marketing costs and, and things in, in those instances. And I can, I can see both sides, but for me, it's, it's a case of adapting that sort of modern approach to marketing and, and use, utilizing marketing in a, in a new sort of modern way. I think, um, that you can really get some success out of doing things like this with you today. I mean, it's completely out of my comfort zone. You know what I mean? It's not something that I would naturally be able to say, okay, I can go on a podcast and talk for an hour or so. But um, I think from a business perspective, these are the type of things that you should be doing and and, and can be doing. And and hopefully, you know, you can utilize this sort of new approach to, to marketing and videos and things like that that are out there that can can really help your business sort of grow and there's opportunities and potential as i said still to to grow so why not sort of tap in and and raise the profile of the business and and for me that that that's ultimately what it's about it's about raising the profile of warwick you know warwick's been established now 25 years and and it's done very very well as a business you know two cycles of you know my uncle and my father and and now my turn so um yeah just sort of getting into that um, new modern away from the sort of archaic way of thinking about you know let's just continue to do what we do and and not sort of delve into new uncomfortable areas as i say it helps not only me grow as a person doing things like this today but it, it helps the business as well do you know what i mean so that's ultimately yeah. why you do it yeah. and for the record i didn't ask greg to say any of that <laughs> no you certainly didn't <laughs> neither a marketing company that, that's good for them as well so 
that is quite a journey. And we're probably up to the stage now where the questions, it's time for the questions. So in all of that journey, firstly, was there a low point that sticks out for you? Yes, yes. I've had a, I've had a, a real low point of, of late, to be honest. And um, I've listened to your podcast, so I knew you were going to ask me this question. And, I, and I've, I've flipped over the last couple of days about actually delving into um, this because it's more a personal sort of low than anything. Um, but I think it's important to, it's part of the story for, for starters. So I think it's important to, to, um, to discuss it with you and, and, you know, um, feel, feel comfortable enough speaking about it anyway, to be fair. But, um, well, for, for starters, I think I've had, I've had two, two low points. The first and foremost, it was 2019. I, uh, I lost my grandfather. So grandfather was a big part of the business. His name was Brian as well. Um, he was um, life and soul of the business, to be honest. And as I said before, he, I shared an office with him and he'd just have me in stitches every day, things he'd come up with and say and things like that. And uh, and yet he was he was only 73 when he passed, but he um, he was a fit 73 and he was, you know, work mad and he worked right up. Um, he had to have a, a heart operation, to be honest. And um, it was meant to be fairly routine-ish don't get me wrong but there was a few complications in um in surgery and um unfortunately yeah, he, he passed away in hospital so um we had about i think it was about i had about three weeks off work i think at the time and uh, I, re- I remember coming back into the into the factory into the offices and that being a, a real sort of hard hitting moment you know um had all his things still in his um in his office and things like that and and just not having him around took a real sort of transitional periods for me to sort of get my head around that a little bit you know what i mean so that was that was a low that was a low point 2019 i um had the lowest point though recently it was around um 18 months ago so um my my father actually got diagnosed with prostate cancer and yeah it was it was a tough time to be perfectly honest with you. We'd, we'd got to that stage where we'd discussed at home about uh, my next sort of stage, if you like. And it was, okay, we feel like you're, you're ready now. Um, we'll have a, a transitional period, if you like, of maybe 18 months where I'll shadow my dad's sort of role. And then even after the, the, the sort of 18 month periods, we discussed about him then just dropping down maybe to say two days a week or, but he was still always meant to be sort of present, but just got hit with an absolute thunderbolt, um, with, uh, his diagnosis. It just really come out of the blue and it was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a difficult time. He, he got diagnosed with, um, with prostate cancer and he i remember it was june 22 he was due to have a prostatectomy so he was having the operation to to remove it and at this time i'd i'd, I'd already took over his, his his role so to speak he, when he when he got his news he he left the business he knew he had the operation planned and it was coming up so he he'd, he'd left the business and i sort of assumed his his role um and then he had his prostatectomy in in, in june time and then Unfortunately, after the um, operation, he went back for for some follow up tests and things, and um, they checked his PSA levels, and um, his PSA levels were still relatively high, even though he had his prostate removed. So they knew something wasn't right. So um, what happened was the the cancer had already sort of broken away from the prostate, and um, 
broke the sort of prostate wall and the capsule. So um, the cancer has already spread to other areas. So um, yeah, that was a, a real difficult time um, from a family perspective because there was a real sort of agonizing weight about more tests to see where the cancer had spread to. And the, the worry at the time was that it was spread to, you know, bones and organs and things like that. And, um, and th- thankfully it, it hadn't spread to bones and organs, but um, that time frame of around two or three weeks was real sort of anxiety was, was mm. really high. Um, it, it had spread to sort of um, lymph nodes areas, lymph nodes um, a little bit further up from the prostate region. Um, and at that, at that stage, the, they sort of didn't know, you know, it was, it was classed as, it's not curable when it, when it breaks past the prostate wall, but we've been given a little bit more hope in the, in the last few months, to be fair, we've, um, he's, he's undergone some, um, radiation therapy and he's, he's on hormone treatments and stuff like that. And it's, it's suppressing the remaining cancer cells. And and we hope to get to that point where, um, it eradicates the remaining cancer cells. Don't get me wrong, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky sort of, um, situation that he's in sort of, um, there's, but, but the main thing is that the, that there's hope there, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but from a, from a sort of a business perspective, it was, it was difficult for me because not only was he my boss, but obviously my dad as well. Um, and to have such like a big figure head and, you know, someone, a leader and someone that you looked up to all of a sudden he wasn't in the business anymore. And, um, I didn't have that sort of transitional period that we spoke about. And it was almost like in the deep end without your armband, so to speak. Yeah. And yeah, as I said before, we had two young children. It was, um, two under the age of two at the time, you know, my dad's, um, diagnosis and then, um, the family business on top of that. Um, so, it was a real difficult period, definitely my lowest period. Um, and one that, you know, I suffered with mentally, it was men- mental health. I'd never suffered with mental health before. And it was all of a sudden, I just felt so consumed with stress and pressure and everything that was going on. Um, and, you know, I'd come into work, I'd get up in the morning and it, the, the first thing you think of in the morning would be obviously your, your dad's diagnosis and, you know, where, where it was going to lead us and, you know, all the sleep deprivation I was having from, from yeah. the children and, and getting up and literally having to drag myself up, get a shower, come into work. Um, but I'd come, I'd come into the car park here at work and I'd, you know, I'd sit in the car and I'd just be struggling to sort of, come in knowing that I had to come into his office and sit in his chair and do his duties, if you like. Um, so, um, yeah, it was a real sort of tough personal time for me. Um, I think, um, I'm really thankful for the management team around me at the time as well. I had to, as I said before, I've got some great managers, uh, managers around me and a lot of experience, even, your cell and they never had to do anything for me, but I always knew that the phone, you know, I could pick up the phone to the guys at your cell and they were always there to support me and check in on me and stuff. But what was difficult Richard between me and you was actually because my dad was such a big figurehead in the business was having people come in every day to ask me how he was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sort of. And, uh, I'd sit in the car as I say, and I'd, I'd, I'd have to condition myself to tell 
a story in the mirror of the car of how he was and where his update was up to and stuff because I really appreciated people asking, you know, how he was. It was difficult to talk about at the same time and to be asked, you know, 10 plus times a day, how's your dad, what, 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 where's he up to? And this, that and the other, you know what I mean? And I had to condition myself to just tell it, tell it how it was. And um, I think it was only sort of a couple of months into my role and, and I just thought to myself, this is stressful now, you know what I mean? This is mm. hard, like... As I say, this this the step up in itself was was tough, um, but one that I'm, you know, pleased to say was um, a, a real dark storm, but one that we you know we weathered and we we got through it, and and you know you you build from it you, yourself, you know. Um, the first year with all that going on was a difficult trading year anyway, I think as MD, because we had all the cost increases going in left, right and center. And we had all this supply issues with glass and, you know, um, there was price rises left, right and center. So to be able to manage that as MD and make sure that, you know, you're able to sort of keep a handle on business as well. And don't let that get away from you. Um, whilst keeping in contact with, you know, um, your emotions and be able to sort of regulate yourself on a day-to-day basis and um, be able to inform your staff that obviously their boss is now you know poorly and you know you got the the children as well on top and I don't want to make it sound like an x-factor moment or whatever but it was a uh, it was certainly a, a, a tough period and, and what you're saying certainly my lowest period in the industry I think I was quite sort of blanketed other than obviously my grandfather's passing which I spoke about um life has always been fairly you know rosy and straightforward for me but uh, and yeah that was our um that was certainly the the toughest part of of being in in the industry and being in a, a family environment what what i found the hardest of all of it was that i felt quite alone i felt like almost as if um had the decision in 2017, as we said before, whether I was staying, and and the big reason I stayed was because uh, I want I loved the family environment, and all of a sudden I'd gone from so my uncle had retired, then my grandfather was no longer in the business because he'd passed away, uh, my father was then no longer able to to work, um, and my sister stayed at home to sort of support my mom and and my brother and stuff like that, so my sister no longer worked here. And, I remember coming in one day and I was sat in my dad's office. I'm sat in his chair and, and, I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm the only I'm the only one left here now. You know what I mean? So the thing, as I say, um, felt very very alone for a period of time. Um, and other than um, the management team and, and the support that I got, obviously helped me get get through it. And um, and yeah, we we are we are where we are now. And you know, things as I say, we've weathered the storm. Things are a lot better and um from where we were originally but um certainly a tough tough period well thank you for opening up about that because it's the kind of thing that we are trying to talk about it more from you know not just uh, men's mental health everyone's mental health really but i i think especially our industry that there's so many 
it's male dominated and it, I, I don't think it gets talked about enough. Uh, and the stress that you've been through, it's not for the faint hearted, but not just be, you know, MD alone is enough for yeah. some people and then to put all that on there. So no, no, fair play to you. No, thank you very much. Now, I, I think it is important to talk about, as I say, I know there is still a stigma around mental health and stuff. And as I say, I'd never, I never suffered with, with mental health before, but I, I rarely found myself in a period where I just felt <clears throat> immense amounts of pressure. And <coughs> Sorry, I think our industry... Um, does put pressure on anyway doesn't it and it, it's important for, from two aspects you know if we can do this podcast today and, and say you know people can can check in on their mental health every now and again and and um and secondly you know um because you just mentioned there male orientated sort of industry you know and and if anyone getting to that age of you know 50 55 or something like that then please do go get checked for for prostate as well it's uh it's definitely um, raising awareness on that side as well, which I think is important. It's, and, and one of the reasons, as I say, when I decided to rum denied about whether sort of to speak about that today, as I say, more personal level. But if it can, if one person in our industry goes and gets checked and you know is able to find um, find it early, then then that's great because it's a cancer that is actually rarely so treatable if it is caught early on. You know what I mean? And and um, and yeah. I would I would recommend anyone listening to to go and uh, and just get checked out. Wow! See, there's so much coming out of this podcast. There's <laughs> learning and uh, and uh, health health advice. Oh, I like it. <laughs> On the flip side of all of that, which t- to be fair, that that's definitely a justified low. Um, is there a high point that sticks out for you? Yeah, the high point comes from the low. To be perfectly honest with you, I suppose like most things. Um, there was the end of our financial year, um, which was March, um, just gone. We had our best ever financial year and it was my first full 12 months, if you like, first full financial year in charge. And um, after everything that I've just spoke about and, and all the stresses and strains that I was under on a personal level to get to the end of the financial year and to have our best sort of turnover and our best sort of net profit whilst on top of that having the way the market was and and the way sort of um all the costs and and price rises and instability was was thrown on top of us it was i think for any md in the industry it was a, it was a difficult sort of year anyway but to be able to negate it and manage it and um you know we done a um something that we hadn't done for years and years. I don't even think we may have not even ever done one, but we'd done a, a time in motion study last year and we were able to increase capacity by 22% just by doing the time in motion study. And we, we didn't actually do very much at all, to be fair. We'd done a time in motion study across the business. We've increased sort of uh, capacity by 22%. We were able to, as I say, then increase our, our turnover, um, increased profitability as well. Margin and stuff was very good considering all the costs and stuff that were going on left, right and center. Um, and that was the the moment I, I sort of, I sat back and I thought to myself, look, you've had a real difficult year, but from a business perspective, you were thrown in without your armbands on and you swam because yeah. you've done well. And that was the sort of the, the first time I thought, actually, yeah, do you know what? I can do this. I, you know, I, I was meant to have my transitional period, but I can do it without it, you know what I mean? And and maybe because it was such a stressful year, it stands me in good stead because we don't know obviously what's around the corner, but, you know, if we were to have other sort of difficult 
years to come, then you know I've got the experience behind me of that twelve month period, and we were able to sort of get through it and get through it successfully as well. Do you know what I mean? So that was definitely um, a little moment at the end of the year where I thought, okay, you can do this, Greg. You know what I mean? You've got you, you've got the experience to be able to do it. You've got a great management team around. You've got great suppliers, and you've just gone through the year of that you've gone through and, and you've been able to sort of come out of it doing really well. So, um, so yeah, so that was great on a, on a personal level as well. I had, um, <clears throat> I have done charity work for a long period of my life, but, um, I, um, as I say, wanted the business to emulate the sort of, um, ethics and values that I hold personally. And, you know, we do a lot of community work and stuff. And, um, one of the charities that we support is, uh, Alder Hayes children's charity and um they asked me to become a uh, business ambassador for them um a couple of months ago so yeah i was really proud of that to be perfectly honest with you um such a prestigious charity and um and one that i'm really grateful to sort of get involved with and, and help from a from a business side and you know help promote some corporate um sponsorships and things as well for them and, and try and raise money for the charity and and for the for the Alder Hay hospital so um so yeah so our best financial year then on top the um the ambassador sort of um invite um and yeah we we come out of that as i say that that stormy sort of time and 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 you look back and you think actually you know what you on a personal level developed so much and and you know um yeah we 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 are now we're sort of at a stage where you know we've been um nominated for um awards there's a there's a merseyside um independent business awards which is coming up soon and we were in um nominated for employer of the year for that so that was another sort of just to make the short list and i you know i mean even if we we don't win really sort of proud to be sort of um known for being nominated for that because it's um i say it's a prestigious one in the city region anyway um but it just goes to show that people are noticing that you know you you are doing the right thing in your and your endeavors and in business and and trying to look after your employees and look after the community as well as your you know your own personal sort of interests of of uh, business then um yeah that 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 all tied together i think in the past sort of couple of months has really sort of from march onwards really given me a a new sort of lease of life and and one that i'm i'm proud of as i say fantastic it's great to hear especially hearing the story before <laughs> the stories before so yeah fantastic <coughs> last question if you had to spend two weeks on a desert island with someone from within the fenestration industry who would it be oh, this is a tough one isn't it <laughs> um i've met so many good people in the 15 16 years i've been at warwick um even more so at MD level and you start, you know, dealing with other sort of um, people at different levels and things like that. And um, I really I really get on with the guys at Yorosel. There's uh, Gary Driscoll and Andy Mac, uh, Andy Mac at um, Yorosel who are great guys. And as I say, they really supported me in that time frame at my dad, to be fair. As I say, they didn't necessarily do anything other than I knew they were there for me if I needed it, and um, and they're really good people, as I say. 
my operations manager Phil I get on with him on a personal level really well but um have have a sales manager called John McDonough John Mac has um he's been in the industry for a long time he he had his own business he had a impact safety glass they were called and they were uh, a unit manufacturer um and tough and glass plant um not far from us to be fair and John came to us um around 10 or 12 years ago and I remember our first Christmas do. He came maybe around November time and he came on our Christmas do, uh, um, December. And um, I remember we were walking through Liverpool city centre and it must have took us, Richard, about 45 minutes to go from one bar to the next because no matter which route we went, he'd meet someone that he knew. <laughs> and um, I call him shake hands because that's all he seems to do, to be fair, right? He shakes hands all the time because people bump into him and his contact list must just be phenomenal, do you know what I mean? Um, who he doesn't know. Um, so I'd probably say John Mack only because, A, he's such a nice guy, like he's such a lovable character and personality anyway. He's just real and nice sort of bubbly always happy smiley type of person um but even on a desert island i'm pretty sure he could find someone on that island that he knows to help <laughs> us get off <laughs> I love that. so yeah i'll probably say john mark yeah brilliant greg thank you for today thank you for coming on the podcast open invitation you're welcome anytime and uh, all the best for the future i really appreciate it thank you very much Cheers, Greg. Thank you. That was a great conversation with Greg. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this one, consider subscribing. Otherwise, until next time.